You're listening to a podcast from York City Church. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more, please visit our website at www.yorkcitychurch.org.uk. This morning, uh, I'm going to be speaking to you from uh, an Old Testament prophet called Ezekiel. And I wanted to say at the beginning that there have been a number of different times during the years that I've been in City Church at least, where there's been a really unusual congruence, a coming together of, of a theme at a particular time that really just feels like, well, God has done something here. You, you've been, you realize that God's really Jehovah sneaky, doing more behind your back than in front of your face. And on occasions, people have asked me, hey, did, did, did you plan it like that? I, did the elders plan it like that? And I normally say, well, yes and no. Um, you know, we did actually prepare what we were going to say, but no, we didn't really prepare all the circumstances because, well, it would have been impossible to have done that. So call it coincidence or call it providence. And you know, I, for one, like to err on the side of providence, given that this is God's good world that we inhabit. Uh, as Christian believers, we, we find at times that there is this sense of a deeper reality being opened up to us. Something somehow opens up and we perceive something unfolding before our eyes and it becomes clear that God is at work in something. And my gut feeling is that this morning could be one of those mornings for us. It could be one of those times for those with eyes to to see and ears to hear, hearts to understand. God is doing something. Now, of course, here we are again in the Citadel for the first time in months. So clearly God is doing something because the church is not a people who just choose to show up. The church, I don't know why I'm looking over that way. There's no one sitting over, hello, that way. God gathers the church. This is God's work. It's the Spirit's work to gather a people. And this morning, the 23rd of May, 2021, happens to be Pentecost Sunday. I don't know whether you were aware of that or not. If you have an awareness of the church calendar, then you would know that it's Pentecost Sunday, which is very apt because Pentecost is the day where you could arguably say the church was born. God gave the Holy Spirit, poured out the Holy Spirit on a group of frightened and confused believers in an upper room in Jerusalem, and that led to the spread of the gospel throughout the entire world. In some ways, our very existence as a church depends on the events of that day. Call it coincidence or call it providence. I'm going to go with the providence angle if that's okay with you. Now, among the lectionary readings for Pentecost this year, there is this Old Testament scripture. Now, you might think, well, come on, Al. It's Pentecost. You you need to be preaching Acts 2, surely. Come on, that's the day of Pentecost. Come on, give us some Acts 2. Give us some Pentecostalism. Well, the white shirt and suit was left at home this morning, uh, and I've never had the hair to do the quiff. So, you know, we're going Old Testament style today. But that's important, and I hope that you will see why by and by. You see, the Old Testament reading was from the book of Ezekiel, and the particular passage that is the vision of the valley of dry bones. And as we will hear in a minute, it's quite an apt 
passage. And so I want to spend some time on this Pentecost Sunday, on this, if you like, new beginning again for us as a church. I would like us to hear the word of the Lord and hear this text from Ezekiel and allow God's Spirit to to breathe freshly into us and to give life in some new ways. So let's hear the reading from the book of Ezekiel now. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. So the context for this remarkable vision is that Ezekiel, who is an Israelite priest and prophet, is in exile in Babylon. The Babylonians came and took the northern kingdom of Israel captive and carried them away to Babylon. And Ezekiel is there as a priest and he's lamenting and wondering what on earth has happened. And he has this series of visions and God speaking to him. And this is one of them from Ezekiel 37. And what God shows Ezekiel is essentially the aftermath of a slaughter. It's like there's this aftermath of battle and deadness everywhere. And there's bodies that were killed in battle that have not received a proper burial, but have been picked clean by carrion birds and baked to a crisp by the hot sun. 
Uh, and these bones are not skeletons either. It's not like they're kind of full skeletons, but they're all dislocated. They're all random, scattered, and the valley is full of these bones. And before we go any deeper into what's going on with the vision, I want to take you to the end of the story. And it might seem strange to just jump over a lot of what Ezekiel sees and go to the end, but I think it's important because at the end of the story, God interprets for Ezekiel what the story is about. And when you have scripture interpreting scripture, that's quite a weighty thing. And so at the end of the vision, God says to Ezekiel, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. And when it says the whole house, that means Israel and Judah. You know, the kingdom of Israel was separated and Judah was taken into captivity in Assyria and Israel, the northern kingdom, into Babylon. So God speaks of the whole people of Israel, the whole lot. And God says these bones are the people of God, the whole house of Israel. This mass of dislocated bits and pieces represents the whole people of God. Now, why am I drawing your attention to that right at the start of this sermon? Well, if we don't grasp that this is a story about God and his people, then we could go a little bit astray and miss the point of what the story, what the vision is about. It turns out that this vision that Ezekiel sees is God's response to the words of Israel. God says, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. In other words, Israel's experience of exile, their experience of being deported, carted off to a foreign land, their experience of exile gets expressed in the language of death, in the language of dried up corpses and dismemberments, in the language of hope as a non-existent entity, in the language of being severed from the security of God and home. They say, our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, and we are cut off completely. Now friends, it goes without saying, doesn't it really, that we've experienced in a very real way our own sense of dislocation and dismemberment in the past 15 months or so. If that hasn't been your experience, I wonder where you have been. A hermit, perhaps. Congratulations, that's been nice for you, I'm sure. Each and every one of us will have uttered words at some point in the last year or so of despair and of lament, of grief, of anger, words of this, of this, ah, it's horrible. And some of us may even have, during this time, looked to pin the blame on somebody for all that's happening. Perhaps it's been, well, the church should have, could have, ought to have, in the same kind of way that maybe the government could have, should have, ought to have. You know, I'm not interested in rebuking anybody's words this morning. I don't want to rebuke words that are uttered 
to the wind, if you like. There are words spoken sometimes out of the depths of the human experience. Words of anger, words of blame, words of bitterness, that sometimes really and truly we don't actually really mean or even believe. But sometimes out of our deepest sense of dislocation and angst, blah, 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 out it all comes and it bubbles out of the depths of our souls somehow. I don't want to rebuke those things this morning because I want you to see that God doesn't rebuke those things. Israel says these things about being cut off and dried up and without hope. It would have been easy for a prophet to say, well, no, you just need to suck it up and believe this. This is what's really important. Don't bother speaking words of pain. It's just, it's just unbelief. Come on, pull yourself together. Get your act together. But God never does that in this context. And I think that's a beautiful thing, don't you? I want you to see that God is well aware of what Israel is saying in the same kind of way that he's well aware of what you are saying or have said or are thinking. You know, we heard Psalm 139 in the liturgy this morning. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, oh God. But God doesn't rebuke that. God doesn't shut down their speech. God instead utterly reframes the way that they see the situation. Now that's where Ezekiel, the prophet priest, enters in. Going back to the beginning of the story, God shows Ezekiel, and remember Ezekiel is one of the people, the house of Israel, who is saying our bones are dried up probably. He's part of that people, and God shows him the bones and asks, mortal, can these bones live? And Ezekiel's kind of non-committal actually. He sort of fluffs his lines a little bit. Oh, Lord God, you know. I mean, it's kind of a religious way of saying, God knows. I don't know. Can these bones live? Who knows? And then God's response to Ezekiel is to command him to prophesy to bones. I mean, the sort of prerequisite for hearing a prophetic word is these, his ears. They're dried bones. And God says, speak to dry bones, prophet. What? How can they hear? And what he's to say is, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I will cause breath, and the wind, the, the, the Hebrew word is ruach, it can mean spirit or wind as well. I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. God will cause something to happen. God will reverse the process of death first putting sinews on the bones and then flesh and then skin before finally breathing new life into these freshly reformed bodies. You know, this is very, very close to saying, I'm going to make a new creation of you. Because if you look in the 
Genesis account, Genesis chapter two, and you look at the formation of the man, Adam, the first human in the garden, what does God do? Well, he takes some mud, and he kind of squeezes it and molds it together, a bit like morph, and then, and then breathes his life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. That's very close to the language in Ezekiel. God is saying, new creation. I will reform you again. I will make you newly alive. I will recreate you, oh my people. And the outcome of this work, that the outcome of what God will do will be that these dry bones will live and will know that he is indeed Lord. So what's truly at stake is not simply, oh, we're back again, hooray, I was dead and now I'm alive, Ta-da! here we are. What's at stake is the knowledge of God. Then you will know that I am the Lord. There's something bigger at stake than maintaining religion or having some kind of sense of self-worth and identity. You will know, people, that God is the Lord when I make you newly alive again. You know, dry bones. It's about as far along the road of being dead as you can get. None more dead. yet still not out of reach of the generative power of God. Israel sees death, alienation, separation, dislocation, hopelessness. God sees his word and his spirit creating his people anew. And Ezekiel gets to hear what God is going to do. But Ezekiel also gets a lot more than he bargained for. Because Ezekiel gets to be part of the process of God making new his people. Ezekiel is commanded to speak. Ezekiel has to speak the words to dry bones. Ezekiel Ezekiel doesn't stand there mute and watch while it all happens in front of him, he has to speak, he has to act, he has to obey, he has to prophesy. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because prophecy, we often think prophecy is this sort of spooky, a picture of a man going on a journey beyond sight and sound. It's this kind of weird twilight zone spiritual thing, except it's not. It's a speaking the word of God to the people of God. It's proclaiming God's creative, generative, covenant promise and power to his people so that it affects new life and a new sense of who God is. Ezekiel gets to participate in the generative act of God reforming his people. You know, he has to believe in the power of God's word and then open his mouth in faith because all he gets to see are the dry bones. And to some extent, he is himself one of them. In some ways, this text illuminates the the mysterious but profound nature, the prophetic nature, I should say, of, of preaching, of proclaiming the word of God. 
You know, it's very easy to think, well, preaching, you know, the guy stands up and gives me some info and gives me a few things to do, and, and that's, that's it. Well, it's not really what we see here in this text. Ezekiel the prophet has to speak God's words and then discover that those words actually carry the power to affect the very thing that they speak. You get that? God gives Ezekiel words, Ezekiel speaks those words, and the words themselves accomplish the thing that they're speaking of. New life, sinew, flesh, skin, bones coming together. He speaks, and it happens. You know, it's not like Ezekiel's going, oh, I think I can see a bit of, I can see some sinew on this one. Yes, all right, okay, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. There's nothing like that. He doesn't see some little flashes of, oh, that one doesn't look quite so dry. I'll, I'll focus on this one. You know, be like a preacher focusing on one person, like that one there. No, 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 it's dry, dead. But he believes God and he proclaims the word. Ezekiel's got to embrace the utterly absurd call. (laughs) And it is is utterly absurd. The absurd call to preach the word of the Lord to a congregation of dead stuff. It's absurd. It's absurd. But it's God's perspective. That's what Ezekiel needs. It's what I need. It's what you need. God's perspective. When we shrink church down to merely a human institution with rules and instructions and little pieties and little ways of doing stuff and little ways of being and acting and that becomes church, watch out for the dryness. Watch out for the deadness. The people of God are a people formed, breathed into by God. God, we are God's people, filled with God's spirit, joined to Christ the Lord, sharing in the divine nature in Christ Jesus. And that scripture, by the way, that's not some crackpot heresy, we're joined to him. Ezekiel's sermon gets interrupted by a rattling sound. And it's not the rattling sound of doors swinging as people leave the building and leave the church. (laughs) It's the rattling sound of stuff happening. The clatter of bones being joined together again. Clack, 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 click, clonk, clack. Or something like that. (laughs) God's word has the power to reconnect that which had been dislocated. See, here's my hope this morning. My, my hope is not in, oh, here we are again, great, business as usual. My hope is not, oh, okay, well, we can, we can meet, but it's just two meter gaps between everybody and masks. And, you know, my hope is not in that. I don't want your hope to be in it. My hope is that God is relocating and remembering his people again. God is forming us anew. You can read this circumstance sociologically as much as you like. Oh, well, it was just that decision and that decision. Notice what God does. He's reforming us as his people again. 
At least that seems to be the message we could draw from Ezekiel. I wonder if Ezekiel paused at some point just to look and to watch as it all began to connect and come together. This absurd call, prophesy to bones, mortal. Okay. And then the surprise as it all starts happening. But there was still something missing in Ezekiel, right? What was missing was breath. There's everything there. There's skin and sinew and flesh, the whole lot of bones joined back together, but breath is missing. Breath slash wind slash spirit slash life. You know, I know that preachers' final points can be a little bit redundant and a little bit of a damp squib at times. You know, it's like, oh, here we go, coming into land now. He says a couple of minutes, 10 minutes later, we'll still be listening. But Ezekiel's final point is a proper banger. Not words that Ezekiel would have used, I doubt, but nevertheless, a proper banger. Ezekiel has now got to speak to the wind or the spirit that the lifeless bodies may now live. So Ezekiel says, I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them breath, wind, spirit, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Israel's experience of exile was a living death. And in their despair, they cried out, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are completely cut off. Yet God's response is to show Ezekiel what he himself will do and then commission him to share in the generative power of God by prophesying words of life to the exiles. I don't know how dry or how hopeless or how cut off you feel this morning. I don't know the words you have spoken out of pain, anguish, despair, disappointment in the privacy of your home (laughs) or on social media. I do know that God knows, and I know that God thinks these bones can live. I know that if God says to you, can these bones live? And you go, no. I know that God thinks, yes, they can. And guess what? In your ambivalence and unbelief, I'm going to call you to share in the remaking of these bones. Listen, people of God, church, he's calling us to share again in the rejoining, relocating, remembering, life-giving pursuit of being the people of God. He's calling us and joining us and fitting us back together again. And as we speak and use our mouths, he is calling us to be a people who speak his word of truth and life. He's calling us to call on the wind, on the breath, on the spirit, to re-liven us and activate us again. I believe that God is at work in the generative power of his word through the preaching of scripture. Scripture is breathed out by God, but God also breathes out of scripture. It's the source for the life-giving breath of God. Word, spirit, 
out it goes. It's the vehicle for the life-giving power of God to work in the hearts and lives of his people. I believe that there is the sound of a rattling this morning, not the rattling of revolving doors as people leave disgruntled, but the rattling of bone joining to bone, of dislocated skeletal bits being formed together and fit together into something living again. I believe that God is adding sinew and muscle and skin and reforming his people again. I believe that God is breathing new life into us as his church. And I believe that God is calling us to stand before him as a vast multitude, as a people who know that he is the Lord. He alone. And that he has spoken and that he will act. I'd like to ask you to stand up if you wouldn't mind, if you were able to. And maybe you'd just like to close your eyes and reach out your hands or however you feel comfortable. And I want to be bold and I want to do what Ezekiel did. I want to prophesy to the breath, to the spirit. And I would like you to believe God that you're receiving fresh wind this morning, fresh breath this morning. We need to believe God that his word is joining you together again, bone to bone, brother to sister to friend, family to family, community to community. God's powerful regenerative work is happening here. Receive the Spirit this Pentecost Sunday. Receive again the breath of life. Hear, O dry bones, the word of the Lord.